Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. We recorded today's podcast at Craigieburn Valley Ski Area in Canterbury, New Zealand. We've just returned from our annual Southern Hemisphere Review trip, and for the fourth year in a row, we spent several days at one of our favorite ski areas in the world, Craigieburn Valley. On the last night of our trip, we brought our group together to talk about the gear we'd been testing in New Zealand. In on the conversation are Blister reviewers Paul Forward, who lives in Alaska, Cy Whitling, who lives in Idaho, and Brian Lindahl, who's in Colorado. The four of us talk about skis from Kessley, Moment, Solomon, Armada, Forefront, and more, and we discuss which of those skis surprised us the most, which impressed us the most, and which ones we'd most want to add to our quivers this season. We also talk about the results of our back-to-back testing of the Solomon Mountain Lab boot to the new Technica Zero-G Pro 130, and we may or may not talk about Millennials and Tinder profiles too. This episode of the Blister Podcast is presented by High Brew Coffee. I discovered High Brew Coffee last month during my all-night drive to Utah for the Outdoor Retailers Show. It was very late, and I was falling asleep at the wheel. Not good. But it was also way too hot outside to be drinking hot coffee, so I stopped at a convenience store to find something to keep me awake and alive, and I saw this 8-ounce can of High Brew Cold Brew Coffee. I bought two cans the Highbrew Double Espresso, and the Highbrew Mexican Vanilla, and they were cold and delicious, and I made it to Utah without falling asleep and driving off the road. I always like telling people about products that helped keep me alive, and it's even better when those products are delicious. Highbrew puts expertly crafted cold-brewed coffee in a can to enjoy whenever and wherever you want it. And Highbrew Coffee uses only the finest 100% fair trade Arabica beans. There is no funky aftertaste and no sugar crash because none of the Highbrew coffees are loaded up with a ton of sugar. Go to highbrewcoffee.com to learn more about their products and check out their store finder to see where you can get yours. So far, their Mexican vanilla is my personal favorite, but I've just stocked up with some other flavors since I've got a fairly long drive to Colorado early in the morning. Okay, let's now get to our conversation about a bunch of new gear from Craigieburn Valley Ski Area in Canterbury, New Zealand. So we are currently sitting in a, do we call this a dormitory style room? Bunk yeah, house. bunk room. And who are we? At Craigieburn Valley. We would be some folks from Blister. Here at Craigieburn Valley, where it has been snowing all day long, turned out to be a nice little pow day. Uh, for us, and we are now about to go get our last day on snow of this trip, which is remarkable because it feels like we've been on this trip for like a month. Um, not that I'm tired of any of you guys. That's a lie. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm grateful for each and every one of you. And the people that I'm so grateful for in this dormitory style room would be across from me, Cy Whitling. Uh, this is Cy's third time on the Blister podcast. Yeah, third time. Third time. That's and like you've a talked record. about me another one. So four, four, <laughs> four. Right. Featured guest. Uh, and then making their Blister podcast debut, uh, the esteemed 
Paul forward. Uh, really just, you know, heli guide. Yeah. Enough said. Paul, two cigarettes forward. <laughs> Paul, two cigarettes forward. Um, yeah. I mean, just heli guide extraordinaire. I don't know really anything. And Hunter. <clears throat> and Hunter. Next to me is Brian Lindahl, also making his uh, Blister Podcast debut. Um, so let's talk. We brought all this gear down here, and so basically uh, what we wanted to do here is talk a little bit about all of the stuff that we have been wearing, uh, stomping into, clicking into, carrying around, etc. <clears throat> um, so uh, in no particular order, um, Cy Whitling. Let's start with the question, gear that surprised you the most on this trip? Um, probably the Bibby Tour. Huh. Because after reading Blister's ravings about the Bibby for a long time, and realizing that I ski very much not like the people who wrote those <laughs> words, I was pretty terrified of that ski. And I've enjoyed it a lot. And have had way more fun on it than I expected. Paul Forward. Oh, none of it was super surprising. The skis just kind of keep improving incrementally in different ways or changing incrementally. But I think the ski, that, or the of all the stuff we brought, um, probably that Kessley BMX 105 HP um, didn't seem like as much ski as we thought it was going to be with 189 centimeters, two sheets of metal. Kessley kind of seems to have a reputation for making stiffer, more traditional skis. And that, that ski with, you know, 23 meter side cut radius and pretty soft tip, uh, wasn't, it was heavy. So that made it, you know, had a heavy swing weight. It wasn't like a light poppy playful ski, but it's not a hard ski to ski. And mm -hmm. the, the tips fold up when you push them pretty hard in the, the conditions we've encountered here anyway. Yeah. And I think that's something that I, I've already received a number of emails from people asking about the 189 BMX 105 versus what is the next size down on that ski? Like a 181? Oh, I think it's a 181. Yeah. Yeah. And would you, and Brian, you can weigh in too, but would you guys, it, I mean, normally that would. I mean, to me too, a 189 Kessley I would think of as a big ski. But it sounds like maybe you guys wouldn't be too quick to caution people to like downsize that thing. I think the the big caveat here is that we've, none of us have skied it more than like two half days. Yeah, and and so I think there's a lot we don't know about how that ski handles other types of conditions, and it might be really fun. It's not the the, the downside to it for someone who's smaller, for someone who's not, like you know going to upsize or go to a bigger ski is it's a, it's a lot of ski to move around it's just heavy yeah it's just physically heavy ski and so like you know and some of the tight shoots at porters it took i mean it's it's obviously doable but it takes more effort to, to pop around than say like i mean obviously totally different category but the raven or even the meridian which is getting a little closer maybe but it just takes more effort to move it around i would also say that um you know i really want to get it back to back with some of the really burly hard chargers and really see can i push it as hard um it's certainly the tip has a very different feel to it compared to skis that you know i'm usually on and and finding out like is that really a drawback or does it just widen the audience without really impacting the performance of that ski 
um, when it gets comes down to business. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, we've we've said several times in Blister that the Cochise is not a very good Powski, and the Cochise is a ski that we love in the kind yeah. of conditions that we're kind of kind of hemming and hawing about with yeah. the um, with the BMX, and so it may be that compromise that it's just better in powder, yeah. which little you, better in powder, yeah. little less. And rightly so. A lot of people consider a ski that's 105 under foot yeah. as a ski that should do well in powder. Yeah. And I think the Cochise, for example, um, which is a maybe the best New Zealand ski we've ever had down here, is not a great powder ski. Yeah. So for people, right? So for people who are an everyday ride is in that 80 underfoot or or pushing to 98 underfoot, and they want to go to a 105 for like strong skiers, but wanting a 105 underfoot ski to be their POW ski, this actually would be in the running. Totally. For I think, a fall I, well, line say, We haven't really skied it in yeah. true powder conditions, but yeah. it seems like it might be. deep powder. Yeah. yeah. I mean, shallow powder, I feel like you can ski a lot of different skis, including the Cochise in, but yeah, when it comes to deeper snow. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. That's the real question. <laughs> what like, ski you're going to grab when the when it's like a good day at the hill. Yeah. Yeah. And I think more people are downsizing to those skis anyway because they're easier on their bodies or for various reasons yeah. to those kind of 105, 108 skis. Mm-hmm. And so, that, you know, that may give the BMX a little wider appeal for those people who... And I certainly feel that way a lot. I mean, I don't really enjoy the the really wide skis so much in the resort anymore. You know, I really feel like a, a 108 or 110, you know, not much wider than that really is a good, good, you know, I can grab it and go ski any day. Whereas, you know, in the past I've kind of reached for a 115 and over time I've kind of felt like that's a little bit too wide for most resort conditions. And, depends and, where you live, I think. Yeah. And if you're oriented more towards, um, you know, bringing out the 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 wider ski when you know conditions are good and you've got a lot of soft snow or just a lot of people just want one pair of skis and they yeah, live in yeah. places where it snows and that, that oh that's true too i yeah. think i the you know keeping on the like what was the most surprising thing there's no question that for me we were by the way shout out to gnomes alpine sports in darfield where uh <laughs> our friends leith and ally um we've basically when we haven't been uh, skiing, we've kind of been living at gnomes. And when I was there and we were, you know, doing more uh, of the specs and measurements and all the skis we brought down, it was stunning to me that a, (laughs) what I would have regarded as a polar opposite ski, the Armada ARV 106, uh, which is a poppy, playful ski, the shovel, the front half of that Armada ARV was almost identically soft as the Kessley BMX 105. Mm. So that, no question, I think, I, I just didn't see that coming uh, on that ski. Brian, did you have a different ski on the surprising front? Yeah, actually I did. Um, I think the Solomon QST 106 is definitely uh, um, a ski that surprised me. Um, you know, it's still not a full-on hard charger, and and it's not supposed to be. You know, it's coming in at a weight that a lot of people would tour on, yep. um, which I think is a fantastic idea. You know, uh, you know, a lot of people are getting into touring. They maybe already have their favorite skis for the resort, and <laughs> you know, they're they're tentative. They're they're worried that if they go too light, maybe that ski won't perform as well in the backcountry as they're hoping, and they're not really quite sure what to expect with the lighter touring skis. And I think the, the QSD 106 might fulfill that need. And not only that, I think it has a, a really wide audience. Um, you know, it's a good one ski quiver travel ski um, from what we've experienced so far, at least myself. 
Um, and you know, you can get on the tip of that ski and, and really push it hard when you want to. Um, you know, it still feels like a lighter ski, but it's not, it's not terribly, uh, out of its element in the resort for yeah. sure. Paul, I wanted to ask you last year, uh, yeah, it was a year ago, right? We were down here and you and I both had the Solomon mountain lab boot and both of us were pretty blown away by that boot and, and talked a lot about it this year you're down here with that Solomon Mountain Lab and the new Technica Zero G boot. Um, give me mm. a quick, give me your the quick, we've been talking about this a lot, but give me your kind of quick summation on what are you finding? Does one of them win? Um, what are your thoughts on that comparison? Yep. Well, the first thing I would say, if somebody asked me right now, uh, as people often do on, on Blister, which would you pick or which should I buy? Um, Unequivocally, my answer is whichever one fits your foot best. I think that's by far the most important thing when you're talking about those two boots because they both ski really well. They're both um, they're both nicely designed boots. They both have weights that are fine for doing long tours. Um, breaking it down a little further, like let's say you both boots fit your foot pretty well, and I won't get too much into the way they fit right now, but um, I'd say if they both fit pretty well. If you're placing more of a priority on touring, the Mountain Lab has a shorter rockered sole, and it has much better rearward range of motion, which some people um, place a lot of priority on. It still doesn't forward flex super well in walk mode. Like, it kind of hits a wall, especially if you have any of the buckles even slightly attached or the power strap. We're talking um, about the Zero-G. No, I'm talking about the Mountain Lab. The Mountain Lab, sorry. Um, the Zero-G has the same thing... Um, in the shell that I experienced with a couple different generations of Kochi's boots, which is that, and this, this is again, foot and anatomy dependent, but um, for me, and I think I'm in the right shell size in this boot, uh, when I lean back in that boot, even though the actual cuff articulation goes pretty far back when you like flex it, you know, on the shelf, when I actually have my foot in the boot, uh, when I uh, flex backward, my Achilles in the back of my leg slams against the the lower the basically the cuff of the lower shell inside the boot. The spine. Yeah, like the back of the spine of the boot, like like near where the walk mode's attached, and it's un it's it's uncomfortable, but it, it just basically limits your range of motion rearward. Like so, walking down hills and things like that, or people who are taking longer strides in the flats. Not not something that really affected me while I was touring up so much, but I could see if, if you know if I was doing long approaches in the flats, it might be a little bit irritating. Um, and it also kind of seems to shove my foot forward a little bit. You can see I have little blisters on the outside of my toes from getting slammed forward touring in those boots. So I think that might be a real thing. Um, on the other hand, the Zero-G has replaceable soles, which is a big deal for people who live in really rocky places. Like maybe if I was living in New Zealand for a season where you, you boots contact a lot of rocks, yeah. that replaceable sole block thing is kind of a, a big deal. And we've yeah. seen those mountain labs get chewed up pretty fast in some in some situations. So not a big deal in Alaska where I live, but in rockier climates, um, that would be that would definitely be a selling point. And then the the big thing I think about the zero G is goes along with that is that um, you could put the sole blocks like the ones that come with the coaches on it, mm -hmm. and by all accounts that boot would fit in a alpine you know nine five three oh I think I'm saying that right alpine binding like you could use it in normal binding whereas the plates that or the sole blocks that come on right now I think would only work in a um, 
AT or multi-norm compatible, yeah. as they call it, um, binding. Which um, so that in that sense, you're, you have more options with the zero G, and I think that you'll be able to get those soul blocks. But we can double check that with Blizzard, or sorry, with Technica to make sure that's the case. Um, so I think those are the big things. And then I don't think this is a factor with those boots, but some people I know people who feel like two buckles versus four buckles is a real thing. I, I think to in answer to those people, I would say. Put the mountain lab on your foot and flex it, and and maybe and obviously if you can ski it, but I think you'll be surprised that two buckles really is all you need yeah. in that boot, especially with that cool built-in power strap that they have. One thing that, um, again, our friend uh, Ali at Gnomes, Ali and Leith both actually were saying that the Technica they thought was a lot bigger volume. The zero G boot was a lot bigger mm. volume than the mountain lab, and and. I don't hear you saying quite as much well, about that. I didn't say anything about fit, and, okay. I, and I, part of that is because I really think that the way a boot fits your foot should be something that you find out by sticking your boot yeah. foot in the boot in the shop. You should yeah. buy ski boots from a ski shop with a good boot fitter, and I almost want to say period. Yep. Um, yeah, I guess if, if you're living in Antarctica and you have to order the boots <laughs> <laughs> via the internet and you have yeah. no choice yeah. to do it, um, I would say... Order both. <laughs> yeah right and return one yeah yeah but I, I i mean i really think that's true the ski boots the fit is so important and, uh, and as i've said several times about those two boots any tiny any any performance difference between those boots will easily be um superseded by the fit because the performance isn't that isn't it's pretty similar in those boots but to answer your question you're going to force me to make a comment about the volume of those boots i'd say they're neither is a low volume boot they both have a lot of volume the solomon i needed to really punch heavily in the toe box for it to be comfortable um and i don't i've, I've always thought i had a wide foot but boot fitters tell me my foot's pretty average width mm-hmm. um I, I have a little bit of protrusion in my um fifth meta uh, metatarsal head which i think causes me some problems and i had a pretty big punch um in those boots and i needed that in the zero g2 um with the stock liners um the zero g being thinner liner i feel like i have way more room around my ankle which i don't like and my foot moves around a lot more in the zero G than the Solomon, yeah. which I was surprised because the Solomon's not, have still a pretty high volume ankle and heel, relatively speaking to like a, you know, other boots, other performance kind of Alpine boots. So I think you just got to try them on, but they're, they're both like reasonably high volume boots, which is good for touring boot. You shouldn't, yeah. you know, I don't think you need a super tight shell for touring something boot. you were talking about too, is the, the fit, um, and pick which, you know, the, the performance, the downhill performance of the boot, um, you know, the differences between those two boots is so so uh, close that um, it's really the fit, and yep. and and I think I should mention that that fit plays into the performance of on the downhill of that boot. You know? That's the whole point. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, Psy. Um Armada ARV one hundred six versus K two Marksman. Yeah, so I have a lot more time on the Marksman, um, not a ton on the ARV. First thing just to note is like the Marksman is asymmetrical. Um, everybody has been talking about that. K two has been talking about it a bunch. That's not as exciting slash terrifying as you think it is. Like the Marksman feels pretty normal, like a ski. Um, so, so it's it's like a very good comparison to the ARV 106. Um, and the other ski I would throw in there that I've been on recently is the on 3 Peak Cartel 108, because I think all three of those skis sit in a very similar realm and serve a similar purpose. Um, just in the brief time I've been between the Marksman and the ARV, um, the Marksman has felt 
just a touch quicker and um, easier to bounce around on um, while the ARV um, maybe, and this is something, this is like, honestly, my big question. The ARV is maybe going to have a higher speed limit on it. Like m maybe I'll like, it, it might allow you to ski more aggressively on it. And again, like I just don't have a ton of time on the ARV. Um, what I can say now is they're both super intuitive like in this category of kind of it's kind of like an all-mountain jib ski um it's they're both like fit that definition very well and and are and just like are very um very intuitive and very predictable um and like it and the big the way i've been thinking about it right now is kind of on the spectrum of like this is a this is a big park ski that's you know really soft and um maybe not so stable is one end of a spectrum versus like more of a traditional all mountain ski that you can rip on. Um, right now from what, just from what I've skied, I would put the cartel 108 closer to the, um, rippable all mountain end of the spectrum. And while it's still like still super poppy, you can still butter around. Um, it's, it's got a much higher speed limit than, than the other two. I put the ARV somewhere in between and the K2 more on the like spin everything super playful um and not to say you can't ski the whole mountain on it at all yeah um let me ask you guys i mean we're going to be talking about you know there'll be more reviews on all of this equipment down here uh on the site of course but i'm curious um of the skis we brought down here if you had to spend your entire this entire coming season on one of these skis just one, uh, which would you pick? Brian? Yeah, I think it goes back to, um, you know, the Solomon QST 106 for me. Um, you know, I like to tour a lot, um, but I also ski in the resort pretty hard. And I do really enjoy the lighter weight when I'm touring. Um, and while, you know, I, I generally would choose a um, definitely more hard charger oriented ski for skiing in the resort only. Uh, when it comes to one ski quiver, um, I think it does. Um, it's it's good enough in the resort to you can charge on it. You may have to, you know, back off here and there. Um, but you know, being able to have a really good solid ski when you're touring as well is pretty nice. Yeah, I I think. I think that's the thing too for me is if it, as soon as you're talking about both inbounds and touring and it's got to be done on one ski of the stuff we have down here I would for that reason I would take the the Solomon QST 106 as well. Yeah. Sai? Um I mean for me that's a kind of an interesting question because I really like to tour but I also I haven't owned an inbound ski that's not a twin ever. Um so that's kind of a, it's hard for me to have one ski. Um, but if I was going to do that, it would be a, like, it'd probably be right now I, because I haven't spent enough time on the ARV. It would probably be the marksman, but honestly, the baby tour is, um, close behind the other day I was skiing it thinking like, I wouldn't hate myself if I put an Alpine binding on this and had to ski it inbounds. Um, and, and like, I haven't, been jibbing on it or anything but the time i've spent on the ski makes me think like typical day where you're, you're skiing crowder pow and taking laps through the park as well like i wouldn't feel like an idiot doing that on the bibby i'd probably bump it forward a little bit um 
Okay. So yeah, either the baby or the marksman. Paul, none of them. I wouldn't. T- I mean, none of the skis we brought down here would suit would suit me for, uh, or even just for traveling. The things I like to do, I mean, uh, would suit me really. Um, the, uh, I guess that Bibby Tour is a in the one ninety length, which we don't have with us here. Is a would be a pretty good all around ski that I could take with me everywhere I go all year and would be fine at home uh, for for pretty much everything in and out of bounds. Okay. Okay. Um, related question. Um, if you could take one of these skis that we have and add it to, say, your regular quiver, um, you know, of a couple of skis. So this isn't going to be your only inbounds and touring or whatever uh, ski that you would be most inclined to to add into the rotation. Brian? Yeah, for me, I'd pick the Raven. I think a, a competent, narrow touring ski um, pairs well with a fat, touring-capable powder ski, um, you know, something around 120 underfoot or even wider. And then it also pairs well with a, you know, 108 or so uh, underfoot resort charger. Um, yeah. So I think those three skis together builds a really competent quiver that you can do a lot of different things in. With. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, this is a super subjective question and all, but, but <clears throat> the Raven would be my choice, too. Uh, because I have to say it's the, I was, I've been very surprised by that thing and very impressed by it and could definitely see making that a, uh, frankly, my go-to touring ski. Sai? Uh, probably the baby tour. Yep. Just fills a hole that I think is interesting. Oh, um, this is Paul. I would say the, uh, the Raven probably also, it's, it's a cool ski. It's, uh. It's fine and bound. It's fun. It'd be a great ski to take on a trip if you weren't really sure what you're going to encounter. Like like Brian said, coupled with a fat ski, a fat touring ski, and it would be totally at home if you wanted to hammer out resort laps someplace where you ended up. It would be totally doable. So, yeah, try that one. Yeah, and I mean that's one we've been we brought with us the 184, uh, and I I'm I would be good with that. Like I personally would, would opt for that 184. I know Paul's been the, the one of us, uh, I guess probably most interested in the 190. Brian's maybe kind of curious, but doing pretty well with the 184. For and me, I, I have short legs. It's 184. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't kick turn a 190 too easily. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, the, I like longer skis and yeah. uh, that ski is, is not, it's a really easy intuitive yep. ski. It comes around with, you know, really naturally. And, uh, you know, like today, that one shoot that you and I skied, Brian, the, mm-hmm. the first of the two shoots we skied together, yep. I definitely felt like I had to um, think a little more about where I was in the ski to not, you know, it kind of sloughed a little bit, the snow was a little bit heavy, and yep. to not kind of trip over it, I had to feel like I was paying more attention to it. And I don't think, uh, even though they call that shoot 210, because it's supposed to be <laughs> 210 to 7 meters wide, um, I, I could have been very happy in there with the with the 190 version of that ski. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I think that would be a good good choice for me. I think the thing that I've been impressed by with that 184 is it is really easy. It is really intuitive, but I still feel like I've been able to push that ski fairly hard. You know, it's I think it's that maybe it's just marketing and I bought into it, but the combination of the rocker profile that matches the side cut um, <laughs> radius 
those skis are, are cool because, and I really think this is true, when you're, when you're relatively flat or you're light on the skis and you're not trying to engage the edges, you, you don't have a whole lot of ski, like on hard snow, for example. There's the, the tips and tails are relatively light. But as soon as you bend that ski over, it's just like, uh, it's like a continuum of support you get out of the ski. The higher the edge angle, the more the ski engages. And it's clean, it doesn't hook. And I think that's why we like those skis, and especially because we're dealing with some kind of inconsistent conditions yeah, where mixed. we're hitting hard patches and yep. soft patches. And well, and I would crust. Yeah. crust. And yeah. I would say though the other thing is it has a stated radius of 29 meters. Yep, that's pretty. I nice. mean, which is pretty sweet on that design. Yep. Um, so, and the other thing that I think is, Sai made a great point the other day. Um, Sai and I, and you know, Sai already said it, but he probably likes pretty different skis from the, you know, the three of us. But I think it was a real, um, compliment to the Raven that, that Cy was like, this is one of the first skis I've been on where I'm sitting here really surprised and impressed by it. And Cy would, I think, be just as happy taking this thing to ski it. That's a wide, they're hitting a wide, wide margin. (laughs) (laughs) If only you'd seen me ski. (laughs) The, The last thing I'd say about the length before we move on is just that, uh, the 184 felt okay to me in most of the conditions we skied here, but where I really feel like in skis in that width class, where they really start to um, fall apart for me in a lot of the ski touring I do at home, is in is just not supporting me in the soft snow, not yeah. not floating. And I think the yeah. longer length that would be the big advantage. Yeah. The longer length would it would stay up a little better. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I would prefer a 190 if I was in deep snow, didn't have to deal with the kick turns. Totally. Yep. Yep. Um. Let's wrap this up. Paul, uh, I'd love for you to say a word or two about millennials or maybe any advice you have for millennials. Uh, It's the greatest generation. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) We should probably move on. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's all I have to say about that. Um, why would you? That's all you that, have to say. About why would you even ask me that question? We've been talking about millennials the whole time. We've come to the same conclusion on every conversation. What? Greatest generation. <laughs> this is not true, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, if we had to give a spectacular crash award for the trip, <laughs> I think I, I think I, I think I got that one yesterday. Sadly, when I absolutely augured yeah almost blew a knee out and 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 we got all this on you know Sai. thankfully was as i was carving a turn hard in front of him uh Sai managed to capture the action but yeah unfortunately i ring ring up the worst crash award of this trip i just um, need to learn how to ski uh, it's working on it <laughs> working on it just put me on the kessley's tomorrow and i'll match that <laughs> <laughs> that could be fun i think you should be forced to ski that for the rest of your season <laughs> and see what happens <laughs> um the question for Sai: um <clears throat> tinder profile advice Sai? something you've been thinking a lot about especially new zealand tinder profile new zealand tinder profile <laughs> yeah, the old guys here have been really helping me out giving me just just pointing me the right direction yeah um apparently showing your face is a good idea okay not just the things you do um i don't know i really i really don't this is a thing that i'm not good at tinder no you know like it's 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 a it's a game that I don't really know how to play. Talking so I, I don't have good advice here. Well, Sai is currently sitting here, 
looking like kind of a fisherman. Like he's got this sweet Craigie Burn Valley <laughs> fisherman's hat, and he's definitely got a fisherman's beard going. <laughs> and so I think basically you should start looking for female fisher women. Mm-hmm. Nope. I think okay. you cast a broader net. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you might need to. Ex- exactly. <laughs> that was a pun. Yeah. I was trying to think of one day. And Brian, let's see. Do you guys, closing question for Brian. What do we have? Brian has kind of been, uh, given his engineering background, we've kind of just made the Brian the default. Anytime anything technologically goes wrong, we just expect Brian to magically fix it. So I appreciate you playing that role on this trip. Even um, though I really get, have no magical powers well, whatsoever in that regard. It's, it's okay. You've been, <laughs> you've been a form of support. Um, do you guys, do you have any questions for Brian? I did find a memory card that would work for this. That's true. This, this podcast is brought, to, is brought to you. Onto our memory card. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, I want to know how the walk mode on the Cochise holds up to 30-foot cliffs. I will let you know, Paul. <laughs> so I feel like I've heard it mentioned a couple of times. On the That's trip. true. I can't remember. 10, 11, 12. <laughs> Brian has been skiing down here, the new the new uh, Cochise Pro Boot, but he's not quite ready to talk about it yet. So we, uh, yep. you'll have to stay tuned for the, the written word um, about that. And I know this is going to probably frustrate a lot of and I'm saying that's that's not a bad thing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. All in all, the impressions yeah. have been good. Yeah, the but. impressions have been good. Yeah, my biggest problem is uh, I need I have some fit issues that I still need to work out before I'm really comfortable in the stock liner. Yeah. And I think the stock liner is excellent, um, but and that's why I want to wait. Um, yeah. I want to get back home, um, get that boot fitting with the stock liner, so I can really give it a good impression. Cool. Well, on that note, I think we are going to leave it at that. We're we have this room looks terrible and so we have a lot of packing to do uh to get ready to then get up and ski in the morning and then start what i hope isn't too frantic of a race to the airport where we start something like i don't know a 30-hour trip uh back to our respective homes but gentlemen it's been fun thank you for the uh the deep wisdom that you have have shared on this here podcast (laughs) and uh yeah um i'll see you like well right now some more so thanks guys good night and kfs (laughs) that's it for this edition of the blister podcast many thanks to paul forward cy whitling and brian lindahl for the conversation and to our strikingly handsome audio engineer justin bob who is in a really good mood today because he got a brand new bicycle. Congrats, J-Bob. Thanks also to High Brew Coffee for sponsoring this episode. Do yourself a favor and go to highbrewcoffee.com to check this stuff out. Then go to their store finder on the site to find out where you can grab yourself some High Brew. Till next time, head over to blisterreview.com to see what we're up to there. Become a Blister member to get access to all of the flash reviews that we're rolling out from New Zealand. And if you're digging the podcast, please do us the favor of leaving a good rating for us on iTunes or tell us who you'd most like us to have on the podcast or let us know if you have any life advice questions for J-Bob. Talk to you next week.